Good morning, Cathedral family. Let's all stand as we prepare for worship. There is a scripture in Psalms that says, your kingdom, Lord, is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. Let's all praise God together for his faithfulness to us. Can I get an amen? Oh, let's go, Cathedral of Faith. Somebody shout hallelujah this morning. Come on, a little bit louder, hallelujah. Get your hands together with us. Conquer the grave. 
things. Come on and put your hands together. We love you, Lord. We center our focus and our attention on you in this moment. You are a good, good father. We're so grateful. We worship you in this moment.
All Cathedral of Faith, if you believe he's good, would you just respond by just saying hallelujah? All praises be unto our God in this moment. The good shepherd today has invited us to a table that he has prepared for us in the presence of our failures, in the presence of the valley of the shadows of death. Our good shepherd is here. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know, just like I know my father, my father knows me. And I lay my life down for the sheep. This is what the Lord has promised for each and every one of us today. We have not been left shepherdless. We have a good, good shepherd. We have a good, good father. We have good news today for each and every one of us. Life is not just this collection of great and comfortable moments. It's, it's a myriad of things. There's complications. There's unforeseen loss and pain and suffering mixed in with the hills and the valleys. But thanks be to God that we have a good shepherd to guide us through every mountain peak and through every valley low. And he has prepared a table for us today. I take comfort in that. A God who's not trying to figure things out when I am. He's got things figured out for us. He's prepared a table to communicate that with us. In fact, Jesus even said, do this in remembrance of me. And this is how we're going to celebrate and have a moment where we're all reminded that we're not alone at this table today. So as you partake of the body of Christ today, be reminded that your good shepherd, your good father is with you in this moment. Let's take the body of Christ. As we take the cup, remember, all of us, all we like sheep have gone astray. But he met us and he knows and he's paid the price for everything. And there is nothing that can match the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, of the resurrected King. And today it is our gift, a crimson gift from the shepherd to wash us white as snow. Let's take it together. If you feel comfortable to do so, I just invite you to hold your hands outward as an outward expression. Father God, we pause in this moment. Man, do we ever say thank you for what you've done for us. May we never take this for granted, what it means to be saved by grace. Lord, many of us here have struggled for years. Maybe all of our memory is a struggle of trying to get it right. God, we stand here not on the basis of getting it right or wrong, but we stand on your perfect, completed work. This is our cornerstone. This is our foundation. Not us figuring it out, getting it right, and staying the course. It's you have done the work for us. And that is why we say thanks today. So Father, I pray for everyone with their hands lifted. You know God, their needs, you know their desires, you know what the holes, you know their blind spots, you know their struggles, you know their habits, their behaviors, their addictions. 
their shortcomings, their insecurities, their fears, their doubts. You know it all and you've overcome it. And I pray, Lord, today that they would be reminded that their shepherd is with them. Their shepherd is with them. Their shepherd is with them. We give you thanks, Father. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen, amen. Before we're seated, let's just read this together really quick, Psalms 23, to kind of sum this moment up. The word of the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, and surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Cathedral of Faith, let's give thanks for the Word of God. Let's give thanks for His promise. Let's give thanks for His presence. And before we're seated, come on one more time, shout hallelujah. You may be seated. Hello and happy Sunday. My name is Stephanie and I'd like to welcome each of you to the Cathedral of Faith. If you're new around here, this is your first time, we would love to connect with you. We have a connect card that you can find on the seat backs in the sanctuary or our ushers and greeters have them available as well. You can scan the QR code and fill it out digitally or you can turn it over and fill it out that way. We're so glad that you're here today and we'd love to connect with you. Are you ever sitting in service and wondering, how can I get more involved? Or I wonder what's happening at the church throughout the week? Well, my friend, the Connect, Grow, Serve brochure is exactly what you're looking for. You can find this at the guest centers in the back, or you can download it on our website. It's right on our homepage. We'd love for you to get connected and let's serve together. The Easter season is here and we're working out all the details, but one thing is for sure, we need you. If you act, dance, Sing, you can sew for our wardrobe, you do makeup, or you're good in tech, we have a place for you. Sign up at the kiosk in the lobby or email Veronica and she will get you plugged in. Let's make this Easter season the best one yet. And tonight, to help us wrap up another amazing Upward season, we have a special guest, an original Harlem Globe Trotter, Nate Branch. So bring the whole family tonight, six o'clock, right here in the sanctuary. It's gonna be a great night celebrating another great upward season. Well, that's it for now. Don't forget, for the latest and greatest, be sure to follow us on social media. And also, our Cathedral of Faith app. Download it on your phone if you don't already have it. It's a great resource for you to get plugged in. You can sign up for different events. You can see these announcements. You can send your prayer requests, and you can donate. Well, Cathedral, I hope you have a blessed week. Oh, it's great to see everybody. Oh, Cathedral of Faith, God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here this weekend, whether you're on site, if you're inside, if you're outside. Well, if you're outside, welcome to sunny California. Amen. 
or whether you're joining us online, thanks so much for being a part of this weekend. And I'm so excited because today we have in service someone who is a legend. I used to watch him as a kid growing up. It's one of the original members of the Harlem Globetrotters. Nate Branch will be with us at Upward Basketball tonight. But he's going to come out and just share a couple of minutes. Nate, would you come on out? Give him a great big Cathedral of Faith. Welcome. Hey. There he is. Hey, Pastor Ken. How you doing? Hey, can you hear me? Oh, that's good. That's the first time I, anybody ever listened to me. <laughs> How you doing? Thank you so much. Pastor Ken. Oh, All right, it's a pleasure to be here, everybody. We are so excited to have you here. And, and like I said, I, I remember watching the team, watching the cartoons. It just, you, you were uh, with the Globetrotters at a time where they were, you know, international superstars. And, you know, I was wondering, you have so many highlights. Uh, what's one of the highlights of, of playing in the Globetrotters? Oh, well, like I said before, uh, we played 300 games a year. And I, I played 15 years, so if you do the math, that's about 4,500 games. <clears throat> but uh, it's quite an experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I was drafted in the NBA by the San Diego Rockets and the, uh, in the ABA by the, by the Oakland Oaks. But I went to camp the first day, and I twisted my ankle, and they told me to go home. And my mother said, you got a big stack of letters from the Harlem Globetrotters. I had no aspirations to play in with the Globetrotters. I only saw them play one time. And I said, these guys can't. <laughs> but, but you know, my fondest memory is uh, I've been to about 35 different countries and I met some beautiful people. And I got a chance to travel around the world six times. Uh, yeah. So what an awesome I wouldn't, wouldn't trade that. And I owe it all to God because he made it possible. He knew where he wanted me to be, and uh, my God, I, I can't thank him enough for that. But I got to tell you a story. You know, my father was a, a minister, and uh, I had to go to Sunday school every, every Sunday. So I was in Sunday school class, and the teacher asked me, she says, what was Jesus' real name? And I said, Andy. <laughs> and, and she said, well, what do you mean, Andy. I said, it's in the Bible. It says, and he walks with me, and Andy talks with me. <laughs> Nate, you know, people don't realize after Nate's career, then he went on to uh, become a musician. You did some stand-up comedy. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing the life that you've had, and thank you for creating so many great memories for people all around the world, how God has used you to bring so much joy. Would you let Nate know how much you appreciate him being with us? Thank you. Nate. All right. Hey, we'll see you all at six o'clock. That's right. He'll be there tonight. And then after service, he'll be in the back. Uh, there's a great book. A biography about Nate Branch and his life, and he's got a music CD. He's an incredible musician, and so um, go by after service and just say hi to, to Nate. It's a chance to, like I said, meet a real legend in American culture. And so uh, this is Worship Together Weekend, where our youth joins it. Us, isn't it great to have the youth in the house? Let's let them know. Yeah. And so they put together a special number. Would you give them a great big welcome as they come? 
Give it up for our youth, Cathedral Faith Youth Ministry. Ah, oh, good morning, Cathedral Faith. Aren't we blessed today? I got to tell you, I just give God thanks every day for being a part of a church family that are just extraordinary. How you give of your time, how you serve, and how you love people every day of the week. And we have a couple of two cathedral heroes in our church family I'm going to invite to come up. 
Dr. Dr. Angie Bymaster and her husband, Brett Bymaster. They're the founders of the Healing Grove Ministry that helps provide medical care and the love of Jesus to those who are on the fringes of our community. I want you to just kind of share what God has been up to. Thanks, Kurt. I love my cathedral family, and I'm here with Dr. Angie and our bonus grandbaby, Chelsea, who, uh, who wanted to come. She started crying, and so she had to come up. So, um, man, God is so good. Healing Grove was founded three years ago in 2020 with a mission to share the love of Jesus through healthcare, soul care, and culture care in order to bring the healing of the nations to our community. And in the past three years, by the goodness and grace of God, we have grown to three sites with a staff team of 40 people, and we're serving thousands of people both here in San Jose and in Sacramento. So praise God. We can definitely give God a clap offering for that. So Healing Grove is a special place. It's a place where we care for both the body and the soul. Here's a picture of our youth group, and there are 15 kids at the bottom at our winter retreat just a couple weeks ago that stepped into eternal life. It's a place where we care for both their souls and their bodies. So give God praise for that. Our youth group there in that picture is led by cathedral members, Nico and Laura Mendoza, who are sharing the good news to low-income kids in our community. We also have two sites in Sacramento where we're working with uh, recently arrived Afghan refugees. We're serving more than 1,200 Afghans that just got here from the chaotic 2021 evacuation. You can see here in this picture, a picture of Dr. Thomas Stafford doing a house call and an Afghan family sitting on the floor. And a few weeks ago, we were up there to deliver food and goods to a family that had nothing, that had eaten in several days, just arrived from Afghanistan. And so we're able to share the good news of Jesus with our Afghan brothers and sisters in Christ. And I wanna invite you to get involved because you can actually become and be a member at Healing Grove. Healing Grove is the only Christian healthcare in Silicon Valley. We have more than 600 people who've stepped up to become members at Healing Grove. And when you become a member, you get the personal cell phone of the physician, Dr. Angie. You get same day appointments, 30 to 60 minute appointments. And most importantly, you get a doctor that both prays and prescribes a doctor that cares for your body and loves you and loves Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And then the neat thing is that every paying member funds two low-income uninsured people who have no access to care to get the same high-quality health care. So I'd love to invite you to find out more. Dr. Angie and I will be in the back. And if you want to talk to Chelsea, she wants to talk to you too, right, Chelsea? <laughs> Maybe not. Come on, let's give it up. So grateful for Dr. Angie and Brett for the work you're doing to touch so many people's lives. And I just wanna share a personal testimony. About two years ago, I went through a personal medical challenge. I was meeting with my primary doctor and I was getting frustrated. How many have ever been frustrated with your doctors? (laughs) And she couldn't figure it out. Well, I reached out to Dr. Angie. She met with me, did what she needed to do and took care of it. And since then, I've been a, a member and I tell you, incredible people you know, having the ability to like to text her or call her if you need an appointment or just, hey, something's going on, she responds, but she is talented. She's talented, got a great bedside manner. She can put up with me, she can put up with anybody. But I wanna encourage you, and I, it's, it's better to know that I'm helping other people that couldn't afford healthcare. So thank you for the great work you're doing there in the back. So let's one more time, let's give it up for Dr. Angie and Brett and their family. 
Uh, thank you again to all the church family for all the ways you give of your time and your talent and your resources to help us be a blessing to so many people, not only in our community, but around the world. So lots of easy ways to give, you know, through online, through the Cathedral Faith app or on your way out. The ushers are at the door. But thank you. Thank you so much for all your faithfulness. Well, how many are ready to receive from the Word of God? My brother's got a great one today. Open your hearts, open your minds, because God's going to upgrade your life in the best kind of way. to train cathedral yeah crossfit is the key to living strong of course we live here in the silicon valley it's the hub of the high-tech universe and social media companies are in our backyard and i'm not big in knowing about social media but i have learned some things that if you go on social media you can click a button and by clicking the button it means that you're following someone and so, for example, on Instagram, you can follow people. And the most followed people on Instagram today, well, the most followed actor is The Rock at 366 million followers. The most followed singer is Selena Gomez. She has 391 million followers. Now, she's also the most followed woman. It used to be Kylie Jenner, but she passed her this month. And so watch out, it's head to head. We'll see how the year works out. <laughs> now, Ronaldo is the most followed person on uh, Instagram. He has 554 million followers. I can't get my brother to follow me. He's got 554 million. And so here was the question I was thinking about. Do you think that following a social media icon is the same thing as following Jesus? There's this one picture where Jesus is talking with a potential follower, and he says, no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. <laughs> literally. And that's what we're going to look at all this month. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And why, why does that matter? And we begin by turning to Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. Would everybody stand with me, please, for the reading of God's word, Matthew chapter 16, as we learn what it is to follow Jesus. Would you read this out loud with me and fill this place with the word of God, everybody? Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now another translation of those same two verses Read this way. 
If anyone wants to be my follower, he must forget about himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to keep his life safe, he will lose it. If anyone gives up his life because of me, he will save it. Can we thank God for his scripture? It's the script for knowing what it's like to follow Jesus. Father, thank you so much again for all these wonderful folks who are part of the cathedral family and friends and guests that we have here today, those that are on site, those that are online. And I pray over these next few moments, there'll be a lot of things said, but let us hear the one thing, the one thing that we need to hear, that we can take that, apply it to our lives, and this week, life will be genuinely different because we've met you in this moment. That's our heart, that's our desire. Start with me. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God praise one more time? Amen for his goodness, amen. Oh, before you're seated, tell somebody, I'm ready to train, go ahead. I'm ready to train. Now, leading into the statement that I just read, Jesus starts off with a question. And when you study the life of Jesus, he was always asking questions. He asks 307 questions in the Gospels. He gets asked 183 questions. He only answers three of those, but he himself asks 307 questions. On a side note, if you're mentoring someone, maybe we should ask more questions too. Because questions, this was a key to his teaching strategy. And so one day he says to his disciples, he asked them the most important question of all, and the question has to do with his identity. He says, what's the word on the street about me? Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples well, they say, this is what's going on on Twitter. Some people say you're John the Baptist or you're like Jeremiah or you're like Elijah. They say that you're like one of these great prophets or that you are one of these great prophets that's come back to life. That's the word on the street. If you want to create a buzz this week at work or at school or at the gym or on the team, Ask people their opinion about who they think Jesus is. And you'll find that people have all kinds of opinions. There are some who think he's a moral example or a fine teacher. Others think he's a revolutionary leader or a powerful healer. Even, even shock rocker Marilyn Manson has an opinion about Jesus. He says that Jesus was the first celebrity, the first rock star. So I guess that settles it. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? 
Because what Jesus does is he takes the wide question and now he brings it home. And he asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And the most vocal of all the disciples, a man by the name of Peter, he steps up and says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. For hundreds of years, there had been this prediction that one day someone would show up and that person would save the world. They would make the world right. This person was known as the Messiah. And Peter says, you are the one. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah. And you are the son. The son of the living God. Living. Would you say that with me? Living. Because in ancient culture, there were all kinds of deities that were worshipped. In fact, in the city where Jesus asked this question, it's right on the border between Jewish territory and Gentile territory. And there were all kinds of temples in Caesarea Philippi. There was a, a temple to the Syrian god Baal. And there's a temple to the Greek god Pan. And there's a temple to the Roman god Caesar. And Jesus stands in the middle of all this, surrounded by all of this, and he asks the disciples, where do you think I stand? And Peter says, you're the one who stands out. You're the one who stands above. You're the one who stands alone. You are the one, you are the son. And Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That Jesus will build his church, and his church will be a triumphant church, an overcoming church, a victorious church. Can somebody say amen to that? But then Jesus gives this unexpected strategy. How was he going to save the world and build his church? There's this one comic where there's a chicken and a pig standing on the side of the road, and they're looking at a billboard that says, help feed the hungry. And the chicken says, we should donate some ham and eggs. And the pig says, well, for you, it's a contribution. But for me, it'd be a total sacrifice. <laughs> and the strategy that Jesus has, it involves not a contribution. Instead, it involves a total sacrifice. In Matthew 16, the passage continues. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Now this strategy of the cross it took everyone by surprise, and I mean everyone. It would have taken us by surprise. Because for Jesus to be the one and to be the son, it didn't add up. It didn't make sense that he would go to the cross. 
And that's why the same disciple who was vocal about who Jesus was, he speaks up again. And this time he pulls Jesus aside. It says Peter took him aside because he didn't want to embarrass him in front of the other disciples. Peter takes him aside and begins to reprimand Jesus for saying such things. Have you ever reprimanded Jesus? <laughs> Jesus, this is not the way I thought things would go. Jesus, this is not the direction that I had in mind. Jesus, I know I said, I sang it. Jesus, take the wheel, but move over. I want the wheel back. <laughs> Any no one know what I'm talking about? Peter reprimands Jesus and says, Lord, this will never, ever happen to you. Heaven forbid. It just didn't make sense. It's interesting. In the Quran, it was written about 500 years after Jesus. And in the Quran, it talks a lot about Jesus. It says that Jesus was one of the great prophets. It says that Jesus will return at the end to wrap up history as we know it. And it also says that Jesus never went to the cross. It says that he was on the way to the cross, but there was this mysterious exchange where, Jesus took, or where God took Jesus away from the cross and somebody else took Jesus' place because God would never allow one of his prophets to have a shameful death like that, a humiliating death like that, to be crucified like a criminal. It just wouldn't happen. The cross seems like such a losing strategy. And yet in the hands of Jesus, Jesus takes the cross and turns it in to the greatest win in history. It's amazing how Jesus does that. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it's on the cross that Jesus defeats the forces of sin. It's on the cross that Jesus defeats the forces of Satan. He rescues the world through the cross. He rules the world through the cross. He takes the worst moment in human history and turns it around into the best moment of human history and uses the cross to lift human beings up to the very feet of God. That's what Jesus can do. Colossians chapter two puts it this way. It said, God wiped out the charges that were against us. He took them away and nailed them to the what? Cross. To the what? Cross. And there Jesus defeated all powers and forces. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. It looked like such a losing strategy, but in the hands of Jesus, he turns it into the way of a great win. And what Peter needed was a paradigm shift. And so the conversation continues. The Bible says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Wow. Get away from me, Satan. Does that seem kind of harsh? And yet, if you rewind back to the start of Jesus' ministry there in the wilderness, you remember the temptation he was faced with 
when he squared off with the devil, and the devil said this. In Matthew chapter four, we read, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and you worship me. Jesus, you can have the world and skip the cross. And that temptation comes at Jesus again. Avoid the cross. It's a losing strategy. Jesus, you're not a loser. Stop thinking like a loser. Stop talking like a loser. Skip the cross. But Jesus knew where this temptation was coming from. And so that's why he says, get away from me, Satan. Uh, one lady translates that this way. Not today, Satan. Not today. Amen. Would you say that with me? Not today, Satan. Not today. Not today. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? The same disciple who has thoughts just a moment ago that are right from the throne room of heaven, that same disciple now has thoughts that are right from the pit of hell. Very different thoughts in the very same headspace of course, that never happens to any of us. Hello! Been there, done that. And Jesus says to Peter, you need to have a different point of view. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not God's. So Peter, have a paradigm shift and realize that there's no success without sacrifice. Now, on one level, I think we all know this. I mean, leadership guru John Maxwell writes this. He says, there's no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it's because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it's because someone will succeed after you. There's no success without sacrifice. I've learned that from experience. Anytime I'm trying to drop a bit of weight, there's this one dog who stepped on a scale and he said, it must be the collar. It must. <laughs> and when I'm trying to drop some weight, well, I have to do some losing. I have to lose some cookies and I have to do, lose some ice cream. And I love ice cream. I could have ice cream for breakfast. I have never met a flavor I didn't like. But in order to win, I have to lose. That there is no success without sacrifice. And it's true on all kinds of levels. There's the student who sacrifices to excel in a class. Or there's the athlete who sacrifices to excel at his sport. Or there's the entrepreneur who sacrifices to excel in his business. See, there's no success without sacrifice. And Jesus takes that principle and he moves it into the centerpiece of what it means to follow him. That the way of the cross is the way of surrender, the way of service, and the way of sacrifice. I like how the message uh, version of Matthew chapter 6, 2016 reads. It says, 
anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Maybe I should stop right there and have an altar call. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it if you get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? Jesus loves us and he cares about the self and he cares about the soul. Dallas Willard says this about the soul, that the soul is the deepest and most vital part of the person as a whole. It is often treated as the person. And we actually do this when we talk about saving our soul. Jesus cares about the soul. He cares about the self. And so he gives me a pathway where I can find myself and I can keep my soul. And in the end, we discover that the biggest loser wins. Because I don't know about you, but with me, sometimes the biggest enemy of myself is myself. That there's a part of myself that keeps me from being my true self. And if I learn to deny that part of myself, there's an old episode on the show Seinfeld. And in this episode, there's a very self-centered man by the name of George, and he's frustrated with his life. His life is not going well. And so his friend Jerry gives him a suggestion. He says, you know, what if instead of just following your instincts like you always do and it never works out well, what if you did the opposite of what you would normally do? Here's a little scene from that episode. Uh, George, you know that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents <laughs> don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. <laughs> my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria. Hi. <laughs> uh, in, that, in that episode, George starts to do the opposite. And so instead of, he starts telling the truth instead of lying. And he starts treating women with respect instead of lusting after them. 
And he starts honoring his parents instead of dissing them. And he starts maintaining self-control instead of flying into a rage. He does the opposite of what he normally would do. And he ends up with a new job, a new girlfriend, a better relationship with his parents, and more self-respect. He loses the old self and takes hold of this better self. And in following Jesus on a more profound level, when I learn to deny myself, that part of myself that's keeping me from being the best version of me. So here's something to think about. What is that part of yourself? What is that part of yourself that you need to deny? Do whatever it takes. I was reading a suggestion from one of the leading experts on dealing with uh, compulsions and addictions. And he has a tool that he uses. He says, I encourage people to take a rubber band and put that rubber band around their wrist. And whenever they have a thought that's going to lead them to trouble or their eyes are starting to take them to trouble or their feet are starting to walk them into trouble, to take that rubber band all the way back <laughs> to give it a snap, to regain your focus. One person who uses the strategy says this. It says, believe me, the pain that is produced by doing what makes, uh, believe me, the pain that is produced by doing that makes me completely forget about the pleasures I was contemplating. <laughs> Whatever it takes. The early church fathers called this the mortification of the flesh. And the point is, do whatever it takes to deny yourself. Because you can take hold of your true self when you lose your substance abuse, you can take back your freedom. And when you lose your deceit, you can take back your integrity. And when you lose your bitterness, you can take back your joy. And when you lose your anxiety, you can take back your peace. When you begin to walk in this pathway of surrender and service and sacrifice, you find that at the end of the day, the biggest loser wins. It may seem like a losing strategy, but when you take up your cross, it'll take you where you want to go. There's this uh, one series of images. I saw this years ago, and it's always stuck with me. And a man is given a cross to carry, and he looks at the cross, and he feels that the cross is just too much for him. It's too heavy for him. And so he talks to God. He wants to whittle it down. And so in the next image, he takes his saw to the cross. And he starts cutting away, whittling it down, smaller and smaller, to where in the next image, now he can pick it up, and he's carrying this lightweight cross. But eventually, he comes to a gap. And at the gap, now the cross is too short to get him across to the other side. If you take up your cross by the grace of God, it will take you to the other side and get you to where you need to go. So as we learn to follow Jesus in this way,
Here's the cathedral challenge for the week. For one day, you can do anything for one day. I believe in you. For one day, take up the cross in your home. For one day. Since I'm a husband, let me talk to all the husbands in the house. Take up your cross for one day. Serve your wife. Serve her, her, make her favorite meal for her. Serve your wife. Sacrifice for your wife. Watch the kids instead of watching the warriors. Surrender for your wife. Surrender the remote control to your wife. It's just one day. You can do anything for one day. Find a way to serve, to sacrifice, and to surrender. And when you do, I know that I'm still a work in progress. I really am. You know, my wife and I, we'll, we'll celebrate 40 years. This year, we'll be married. And... I always, I always say, being with Mary for 40 years, my wife, that qualifies her for sainthood. Amen. <laughs> and I remember, I can remember when I got married, before I was married, I thought I was a pretty young, unselfish man. And then I got married. And where my eyes opened up, and I saw this part of myself, that I could just be so self-centered and that it was all about me. It was my needs and my desires and my dreams and my love language, that the marriage was all about me. It was so easy for me to default to that. And over time, I had to learn, and I'm still learning, how to surrender and serve and sacrifice in the different seasons of life because it looks differently in the different seasons of life. But here is what I've discovered on the journey. That when two broken, flawed people commit to following Jesus Christ in their marriage, and in their imperfect way, they do their best to live out that self-giving love. You know who wins? The marriage wins. The marriage wins. Lean into that this week. Take up your cross in your home. C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, in talking about following Jesus says, keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Everything else will be thrown in. So I invite you, as our World of Arts team comes to seal this moment, today's the day to make a decision, to remake a decision. Instead of being a fan of Jesus, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus. I have decided.
to follow Jesus. I have decided Come to me To follow Jesus All who labor and are heavy laden I have decided And I will give you rest To follow Jesus No turning back. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, you will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. I am the law of Moses. No turning back. A decision has to be made. I scroll for hours. I distract myself from reality. I'm sick. I don't know what to do anymore. Filling the void with the wrong stuff. I'm going to St. Instagram Hospital in the Twitter infirmary seeking healing from the wrong places and you know what I, I know what I'm doing and it feels right and wrong at the same time over and over and over and over and over and oh, wait I forgot a decision has to be made my identity it's it's in what? Temporary satisfaction? Fake approval? Running around the same mountain? Serving myself? Nah. Nah. I need to decide. Right here and now. I'm deciding freedom. I'm deciding breakthrough. I'm deciding everlasting peace. I have decided to follow Jesus 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 no
worship you. We're so grateful. Hallelujah. Thank you for your amazing grace. Amen. I invite you to make this declaration after me. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm ready to train. Amen. Let's give God praise one more time. Amen. For his goodness. I'm going to be leaning into that with you this week, praying that over you. If you need prayer after service, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. And then don't forget, uh, Healing Grove is back there. Find out what's going on at Healing Grove Ministries, the medical work they're doing. And then also, Nate Branch, one of the original Harlem Globetrotters, is out there in the lobby doing a meet and greet. So go by and get a chance to meet him. And then I do want to say it is so wonderful to have a very dear friend of mine from Southern California, the head of Grace Hill Media, Jonathan Bach is visiting with us in service today. I love you, buddy. So great to see you. Wow. Amen. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, may you know that you're loved by God. You're blessed by God. Walk. Walk in the way of the winner. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, Amen. God bless you as you go.